Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Mariah Guzman here recapping in another Illinois loss. This one disappointing because Illinois took a 14-0 lead on Iowa. And then Iowa scores 35 straight nothing points to beat Illinois for the seventh straight time. Lovey Smith now 0-5 against Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And Illinois has not beaten Iowa since 2008. So Illinois is now 2-4 and four on the season. And Mariah, the biggest thing I take from this one is what a missed opportunity. Because we talked about this with Chase Brown afterwards. And I asked him, you're up 14 nothing. You've dominated the last basically 100 minutes of your Big Ten football season here. Against the Rutgers, you score 13 nothing uh, to end that game and win. Then you completely dominate Nebraska, 41-23, and you have a 14-0 lead on Iowa. This felt like a turning point for the program. Like Legitimately, I think Illini fans were sitting there going, oh my gosh, they are taking a big breakthrough here. And Chase basically said the same, that yeah, we were feeling it. And then all of a sudden, Iowa just shellacks Illinois. And that that's the kind of domination we're sick of seeing at this point. But it just feels like such a missed opportunity to get over the hump and to end this season with a lot of momentum where you can buy into Lovey Smith has taken this program to the middle of the Big Ten West, and maybe they can find a way to build on it. And now you're just sitting there going, okay, where's the life in the program? After 43, 47 minutes of football that were so disappointing, after 13 where you were so excited about the start. Yeah, I think we're uh, tired of waiting for the bill to peak. Don't know if the bill – I think the build has stopped in all construction, quite honestly. Um it did look good for them, and it, it was, you know, the first time that they didn't allow an opponent to score in the first quarter of the season. It looked efficient. Brandon Peters looked great. It, everything was working. They were doing everything right against Iowa in all facets of the game, and it was impressive. It was, it was good to watch, and it was like, wow, it's, they really came well-equipped, especially after, like, a not-so-planned bye week. I was like, wow, they maybe have really used that to their advantage. And then we just kind of see it slowly trickle down. And I think my biggest takeaway is kind of looking at, like, there's no more asking where does Illinois go from here because they, there's no there's nowhere else to go. We, we don't have – there's nothing left for them besides, like, a couple – they have a couple games left. And I, even if they win, say, the last couple – I mean, does that mean that they have had a good season? No. It's, it's well, like, difficult to look at. Well, I think some Illini fans are where you're talking about, yeah. where it's like they can do nothing, which I always disagree with because at 0-3, people would have said, there's nothing they can do. I'm done with Lovey Smith, right? If they would have carried that momentum early in the game and beaten Iowa, how can you not then say they have taken huge steps? Because that would have been seven of your last 12 you win, six of your last eight with Brandon Peters as your starting quarterback. And – 
three in a row with a full roster, basically. Not a full roster, but a, a, basically the roster you expected uh, after COVID, right, where you didn't have your starting quarterback. That, of course, did not happen. So uh, I'm not going to argue with people who say this is not good enough, right? This, this is, For Illinois, Lovey Smith, year five, you want it better than this, right? But to say, hey, they can't beat Northwestern, like if they go and beat Northwestern and then they go and beat, say, I don't know, Michigan or Penn State, given COVID, can you sit there and say, yeah, wash year, whatever it is. Or even if they're three and six at the end of this year, I don't know how much you gain. You certainly don't gain like, oh my gosh, we're definitely better. Um, but is it a season you kind of toss aside? I can see Josh Whitman doing that. Mm-hmm. Now I can see a lot of Illini fans not tossing it aside. Um, but there are issues because defensively you got dominated for three quarters, right? Defensively you had all these injuries and you didn't have the depth to make up for it, right? Like Michael Marquez is coming at linebacker and you're like, where's Shimon Cooper? Why is he not playing? Uh, and then cornerback, you have Nate Hobbs get hurt with a head injury and you see Kendall Smith come in. And you're like, where's Marquez Beeson? And Lovey Smith gave a really weird answer yes. to Marquez Beeson, where he's like, that's between us. Marquez had some injury setbacks, but he's going to help us win a lot of football games. And it was just a weird answer that gives you more speculation than anything. Mike Epstein's out today, and we thought it was with an injury. And then Lovey Smith said, uh, we held him out this week. He'll be back next week. So I don't know if it's an injury or not. Like We just didn't get any clear answers, which I don't think helps anything. But um, – it's kind of rambling, but I understand where Illini fans are at, where there's nowhere to go, but there are two games left mm-hmm. that can't change your opinion. Now, are they going to win them to change it? Probably not. I, th- I think people's minds are made up on Lovey Smith um, and where this program's at. I do think the last, the, the, that 100-minute stretch there, Mariah, where you sat there and said, they're dominating Big Ten opponents here, even if it's Nebraska, who won today and uh, beat Purdue, even if it's Rutgers, who's a more, more competitive team this year, uh, and, and they dominated Iowa for 17 minutes. That's not good enough, but like there is a football team in there where it's like, this is not embarrassing, right? Like They can compete with the rest of the Big Ten West. So I think Lovey Smith's gotten them from point A to point B, but can he get them to point C with the recruiting? With relying on transfers, with what you've seen even in year five where it's supposed to be this breakthrough year, COVID or not, it's still – can he take him to the next level? I'm still very doubtful, of course. Yeah, I think that you hit the biggest question really on point is it, it specifically can Lovey take them there. I think that's what we're really looking at right now because, I mean, I don't see the blame on – it was funny because I actually saw like uh, – Reggie Corbin tweeting today and kind of defending some players when guys were getting blamed for certain things that weren't their fault. And I'm kind of looking at it too, like, I don't want these athletes getting blamed for certain things that just aren't their fault. I mean, you see, I mean, we saw how freaking disappointed Chase Brown was after the game. It's like, that that isn't what you want to see. These guys are really trying. They They want to make it work. It's not like they're not doing anything out there. So what else is going on that is not helping the team together click? And like you said, there's just a lot of weird things happening. And and I see, like, okay, we came into the game with some guys gone. We lost a, a trickling amount of uh, defenders today. But I felt like despite that, they they had or should have had the ability to work with it, especially with how they – tried to handle a couple games after Wisconsin and how many players that they had out. And then 
you know, you still managed to win without your number one quarterback um, at one point, and then you improved from there. And so it was like, okay, now we're seeing improvement. Maybe having those guys come back helped, but they still at one point learned how to play without a lot of guys. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like at a loss for words, I guess. Well, I think the next step for this program is beating teams like Iowa. Right, you did it last year with Wisconsin, but it's it's doing it and doing it emphatically and, and, and showing fans that, yes, we are taking this big step through. Um, because I do think the doubt is, can Lovey Smith lift you past where you are, which is respectable. you gotta, you got to be prepared to play Illinois. They're not going to get um, crushed by the bottom teams. Like I think Illinois is probably you know, not in the lowest tier of Big Ten teams possibly, but they're certainly – definitely in the bottom five, six, right? And you got to get past that stage. And, th- and that's what you have questions with. And in Illinois, their offense, 14 nothing. You took a quick 14 nothing lead, and then you have three straight three and outs. Like Rob Smith and Brandon Peters couldn't figure out. And, you know, Illinois wasn't able to just overcome that hurdle. And the second half you come out, punt, punt, punt. Right? You had an opportunity there to widen the lead, give your defense a little bit of a break, especially the defense that you're having out there uh, with all you know Michael Marques playing linebacker, Kendall Smith in the game, Bryce Barnes was playing a defensive tackle. Like These aren't Big Ten starter quality players that you're having to play at that point. And your offense needed to step up, and they didn't. Right? They, they didn't score again until late in the game with Isaiah Williams in there. And then there's the other issue, right? Like Brandon Peters looked like a world beater through these first, you know, the Nebraska game, and then the first three drives of this game, right? Two touchdown drives that were phenomenal. Um, the passes to Amato and Bebe were great. The Illini offensive line and the running game were going early, but he was throwing dimes. And then Spencer Petrus looked awful, like he shouldn't doesn't deserve to be a Big Ten starter. And then just like the game, those two flipped. Petrus got comfortable and was dicing up Illinois. They scored on six of their last seven drives. That's the best he's looked all year. And then Peters started the game 8 for 8, 101 yards and two touchdowns, ends the game 2 for his last 10 for 16 yards. And it just wasn't the same player. And you get Isaiah Williams in there, and he gives you a spark. And some Atlanta fans might just rather see Isaiah to see the future, but you also want to win a game. So I think Brandon Peters is going to go into the game as a starter, and then they'll throw in Isaiah Williams if it gets ugly or they get down too much. But um, that's another issue. It's like Brandon Peters – that's the story of his career. It's just he hasn't been consistent, right? He hasn't been able to consistently do it. And now you're looking towards who can give them a spark. And, you know, Williams wasn't great, but he did have a great throw to Carlos Sandy, gave you something on the ground. You have an identity when he's in. And that's just kind of frustrating with Brandon because it felt like he had this breakthrough just like the rest of the team. And then it just fizzled. Yeah, and and when that fizzles, it doesn't it doesn't ever come back with him. And that's what we've seen with his play. And I just don't get that about Brandon because, I mean, like we've seen, he's can be really solid and he can continue that, like, through Nebraska. I mean, and honestly, some people watching Nebraska, like, you're waiting for him to kind of, like, make mistakes and fall out. And he didn't do that in that game. And then he comes into this game and he does everything right. He starts off so well. He basically brings in that same kind of play. And I mean the the rest of the offensive line too. They were it, everybody was working. It was all working. And then I just don't know if it's like once Brandon stops working, everybody else just kind of like I don't. I just there just don't. wasn't any life. Yeah. Like it, it just all of a sudden like they couldn't get a first down. 
Like they went from 70-yard drives struggling to get a first down. I think there was a two-quarter stretch there where they had three or five first downs over six, five or six drives. Um, and it was just like there, there wasn't any life, and you couldn't give it to him. And when Isaiah came in, you know, he immediately gives him life. It was late in the fourth quarter, and they're down two touchdowns already. But he got four first downs and got him to the red zone, and he wasn't able to complete three passes. And I questioned second and seven, 12, 13-yard line. You got Isaiah Williams in a quarterback. Chase Brown's running the ball well. Why not run it a couple times? Uh, or at least once on second down, see where you're at. Then with three straight passes. One was actually a solid pass to Donnie Navarro, just Donnie couldn't hold it in. It was a tough play. Uh, but three straight incompletions, and, and that's the game. 28-14 you know, with six minutes left, and you had no chance. So Isaiah definitely does give you a spark. It's just Brandon's a much better thrower, mm-hmm. right? And we've seen Brandon, when it's all clicking with him, it works really well. It just it doesn't all click with him very often. Yeah, and it clearly didn't today. And I and I also like found when uh, Lovey said when some when a reporter asked like you know they Iowa's making was Iowa making shifts or what did you see? And Lovey kind of said I didn't really or they didn't really make shifts, but I thought that they did. I thought Iowa was looking at us and seeing what we were doing and how or how Illinois was dominating them, and then saying, okay, we have to fix this because, like you said, Peters came in and at one point was completely different. I mean, you were looking at him and you were like, wow, this guy's awful. Like, mm-hmm. the defense is just going to stomp all over him. All they had to do was get on him because he took too much time in the pocket so many times, and the defense was seeing that and working with that, and then all of a sudden it was like it shifted. And so I think Iowa did make shifts, and they read the team well, and they were – they did everything right that Illinois didn't at, at another point, and it's just like I I also feel like Isaiah should have came in a lot sooner because Brandon didn't start declining towards the end of the fourth quarter, right. you know. Yeah, and it's a tough call because Brandon was playing so well, right, and he is your starter, and, you know, you can see – you could probably make up ground pretty quickly with Brandon because of his arm, right? You're probably going to do it through the air. So I kind of understood when they brought in Isaiah um, – but it, it just is too little too late. You're right. I mean, Iowa made adjustments. And when they smelled blood, they stepped on the throat, right? Illinois wasn't able to do that. 14 nothing. You got the number 19 team in the country in the college football playoff rankings on the ropes. Um, and I think you had the ball 14 nothing. Did they get the ball back with 14 nothing? Like, that was a chance to really blow open this game. Yeah, they were, they were up 14 to nothing with a chance to go up 21 nothing or 17 nothing, right? and they weren't able to do it. Then Iowa gets a little bit of momentum, scores, gets a fourth down conversion, scores on that drive, and then they're able to score field goals in the next couple. Illinois' defense allowed you to hang in a little bit, holding them to field goals, but then once they scored a touchdown to start that third quarter, it fell over. Yeah. It, it just fell over, and they get the two-point conversion easily, and it was just like, okay, um, there's a blowout now. And yeah. that's really what it ended up being, 35-14 late in the game. I mean – it was, at least it wasn't like a sixty-three to zero blowout. Um, <laughs> but expectations should be higher, right? right like I, exactly. I, I think that that's the conversation that it gets to is, at some point, expectations have to be higher for Illinois with a fifth-year coach, um, who doesn't have a very good record, and you can throw out his first year because it wasn't his roster. And even if you want to give him the um, pass of, hey, his first two rosters, he went with young guys. Well, he chose to do that. Um, and, and Illinois was going to struggle through some of that, but he could have gone to the transfer portal a little earlier than he did. Um, but now, over the last two years, in the Big Ten, 
you are now six and nine. Okay, those those are his rosters that are six and nine. That that's better than what you were. It's more respectable. It's along the lines of what Purdue is doing the last two years, right? But okay, you got point point A to point B. How do you get to point C? You win games like Iowa. You yeah. win games like Iowa and Northwestern, get to four and three, go into the championships week with a bunch of uh, momentum and feeling great about your program, and you had that chance up 14 to nothing, and that turns into a 35-14 deficit, and people going, yeah, there's just apathy, and there, there's just not a lot of life uh, around this program and belief in this program moving forward, and that's why this just felt like such a missed opportunity because – that early in that second quarter, Mariah, I, I felt like there was a lot of juice. Like yeah. we, we can only see it on Twitter, yeah. Um, right now because there's no fans, but it felt like there was a little bit of juice, a little bit of swagger with Illinois coming back, and and now it's all gone within 47 minutes. Okay, I'm kind of glad that you went in that direction because I felt like you were being really optimistic, and I was being no, so no, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to be optimistic, but it, like there, there was an optimism early in yeah. the game that all of a sudden disappeared, and. I, I just always give you got to let a season play out, so we never know what can happen over the last two games. I don't see a lot changing here. I didn't see them crushing Nebraska. I, I didn't see them even winning at Rutgers, to be honest with you. So things can change, but I get where a lot of the Illini fan base is. is like they don't see the guy in charge right now getting them to point C and, and, and having the breakthrough wins that they need, like today. Yeah, this is the – and I kind of wrote that in my re- or, uh, preview for this week – Illinois is the hardest team for me that it's ever has been for any team for me to look at and see, okay, they are going to win or they're going to lose. I have no idea. Like, this team just throws so much at you. Like, and I just, like, I can't read them at all. And and now I'm kind of thinking about, like, what you said about the team just not having life. And I feel like, I don't know, like, how are these players – feeling how do you I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the last two years all right last two seasons <laughs> they start with two wins against lower opponents right and, right. and they win them pretty handily uh then they lose four straight then they win four straight then they lose six straight <laughs> then they lose back to back and then you lose against iowa and you're going to be projected to lose your next two games. So it's just those swings, right? Yeah. Like they're they're streaky, and, and right now, obviously, the streak is not going in the right way. And that's where I thought this streak could have been like last year. Um, and it's just you got to have consistency. That's what makes Iowa so good. I know they're on a five-game win streak right now, but they're a consistent program. And that's what makes the programs like Iowa, like Michigan State was before D'Antonio left, like – that's what they had been for so long, and that's what Illinois can aspire to be and Wisconsin can aspire to be. But even those programs, Ference and, and you know, D'Antonio and Barry Alvarez, is year three or four, you could tell that they had turned the corner. Mm-hmm. Illinois hasn't done that. Like, yeah. like Illinois hasn't done that with their fifth-year coach. And so I think it's like looking at the future for them. And I don't want to get into the whole talk of like, oh, what should they do with their program and things like that, but it's just um, – well, with I a win today, it would have been obvious. Yeah. Right? And um, But now, like, they lose, and if they lose next week, then it's like, where do they go? That is a, a big question. I don't know if it changes this much every week for, for Josh Whitman, um, but I, th- I think, you know, changes like this game, um, you know, it's only one game, but it's it's on top of other games. It's on top of other losses, and it's just like you got to feel the momentum, and the momentum changed at the – 
you know, 13-minute mark or whatever of the second quarter today, it felt like. And, and I feel for them uh, as much as I possibly can just watching them. Uh, when Chase Brown said that they've been through a lot this season, they've been through – I mean, you are playing in a pandemic – you're really not talking to anybody else besides people within your program. You're dealing with shifts and loss of players. You're dealing, you dealt with a canceled game. It, these players, I mean, this program is going through a lot. And it kind of like circles back to what you said in the beginning. Like, is this a throwaway year? Is this not? Is it, is it COVID that we're looking at and we're just going to kind of excuse this? But I, I kind of don't excuse it. I mean, I understand. You're still playing football games. Yeah, exactly. right? you're, and you're, at, you're... The end, at the end of the day, like the, this is what they signed up for and they committed to this. So I think like you can feel for them to a certain extent. Yeah, this is hard. Um, and you can see that mentally they're dealing with it and it's, it's definitely taking a toll on them, but, but I just, everybody is. yeah, exactly. And there are teams that are undefeated and have had canceled games or there's teams that, you know, are like Northwestern who, you know, pop out out of nowhere and have a really great season when nobody expected them to just like, I don't, I'm not giving excuses anymore, and yeah. I feel like I was in the beginning, and now I'm I'm kind of done with that. Well, the the COVID excuse um, is a legitimate excuse for why they lost to Purdue. Yes. Um, is it for Minnesota? Not as much for me, um, because against Purdue, your defense held Purdue to 24 points, right? And you didn't have your starting quarterback, and your fourth string quarterback was playing, and there were four turnovers. He had four turnovers. You have Brandon Peters in there or even Isaiah Williams, it's a different game. Minnesota, probably a different game, but is it enough to make up for your terrible defense? It changes it, but I can't use that as an excuse for that game. Um, there is no excuse for this game. You had injuries, obviously impacted the game, uh, but it didn't impact, shouldn't impact your offense You know, the rest of the way. Um, you still need to be better defensively, and the depth on this team is still Lovey Smith's responsibility. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there are legitimate excuses for a game or for defensively today. You know, those injuries obviously piled up and, and had an impact, but that happens to every team. And other teams find a way to get through it. Other programs, better programs, find a way to get through these kind of injuries. And at the end of the day, you are what your record is. And, and Illinois is two and four, and they've, you know, not able to beat, you know, teams like Iowa. Um, it's been a long streak against Iowa. It's been a long streak against Northwestern, right? I mean, Northwestern, they haven't beaten since 2014. Um, you know, this was a more competitive game than some Iowa games of the past, but you were competitive against Iowa last year. It's time to win those games, and we just haven't seen that. We just haven't seen a breakthrough, and that's what you need, and that's what you want to see from a fifth-year coach. And I feel like this was the game that I was looking at to be that breakthrough or to be the game that told us who this team really was because of what they kind of dealt with in the beginning of the season. And now you, you know, you have your starter back for the second game and you have most of your team put together um, despite losses through the game. And it, I mean, it, it, this was still the telling game, I think. And it, it I mean, we saw what it told us, right? Um, and it's unfortunate that I feel like every time we talk, we're always talking about sadness and loss, right? Why can't we talk about the wins? But yeah, well, I was on the road. You didn't come on the road with us. Uh, Rutgers and <laughs> Nebraska were feel good, feel good games. Yeah, now now it's hey, you got to find a way to, to bounce back, and you know fans can give up, but the players and that's we asked Chase and Doug Kramer that too. What can you learn from this? 
Um, and that's what they have to do. They have to turn that into an unexpected win at Northwestern. They got to talk, turn it into an unexpected win of whoever they play in whatever champions week looks like. And ultimately I have no idea what Josh Whitman is thinking because we haven't been able to speak with Josh Whitman since the start of the season. I don't think. And, you know, maybe that silence tells us something that he is evaluating, right? Because usually if you're a, Coach is being talked about on the hot seat, um, like in Nebraska, which I thought was ridiculous with Scott Frost. He's going to get more time, but he's in year three. His AD came out saying, no, he's, he's, as long as I'm here, he's here, right? I haven't heard that from Whitman. Um, and that only leads you to speculate, and it's just speculation here, but we just haven't heard that. So I think he's going to evaluate this all the way until the end of the season. And if he has two more losses here, I think he's going to have to realistically say, how do I bring him back? and get to that next level or did lovey get what i needed which was respectability get me back to competitiveness and then i go find the next guy right i don't think anybody could blame whitman for that i mean it was a bold hire and if it didn't work if it doesn't work after five years you move on and get your next guy but there's certainly a better you know foundation here um but i think it's on lovey and, and the rest of his staff to show the next couple of weeks why they should stay Right. Yeah. And they got to do it pretty emphatically. I thought today was the opportunity to do that and they weren't able to do it. Yeah, I agree. That's a great read on Whitman, too, the way you said that. I, I agree. I hope that the I mean, move. It's all speculation, right? right I mean, this yeah. is no inside information from me yeah. because Whitman has a very tight circle, just as Lovey keeps a tight lid on his program. Right. Um, but just seeing or looking at what we can from the extreme outside of things, um, I guess all I can say is that I hope that whatever move Whitman does decide to make, he can justify it um, as well as he did when he made the bold move, like hiring Lovey. Um, and so whatever that next move may be, I mean, I don't. I hope Whitman's not afraid of making another bold move. I think he's shown he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very calculated. He's. I mean, if anything with Josh, we know he's um, very calculated. Um, very thoughtful in his process, and he knows, I think, when to pull the trigger on things. I think he saw that with John, like John Gross. Um, that first year, even though they're going through, th- through some things, he saw a future that could include Jeremiah Tillman and a great recruiting class, and that you could turn it around, and then John just didn't follow it up on the court, right? Um, and get to the NCAA tournament and give him a chance. Like Josh said, we have to make this move now. It goes get Brad. And Brad's got Illinois in the top 10 of the rankings right now. Um, so that proved to be a good move. Lovey Smith helps give you a little bit of a, a boost, but uh, to this point, it, it hasn't worked out. So I, th- I think Josh has shown he knows when to push those buttons. And uh, I think if Illinois doesn't end the season with a couple wins, I think he's going to have a lot of pressure on him from some very powerful people and donors uh, to, to make a change because you, you need some, you need some uh, to use the term you kids would say, you need some juice in the program. <laughs> I don't know if you kids even say that, but um, you just you just need life, and it felt like the life was taken out of him in the second quarter today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you get it back. I and regardless, I know I see. It seems that, unlikely, right? Yeah. Like, it, it seems unlikely with how good Northwestern is, how good Pat Fitzgerald is against you. And I think Pat loved. Like I know Illinois fans don't like Pat Fitzgerald. You don't because he wins. Yeah. No matter what he says in the media, like he's fantastic in the media, by the way. Um, and he sells his program unbelievably well. And what a 
what a great representative for your, your program. Sorry, Illinois fans, I, I, I feel that way about Pat Fitzgerald. Um, but I think he takes a lot of a lot of satisfaction in dominating Illinois like he has. He's won 10 of 14 against them. I mean, why Why wouldn't you or how couldn't you? Also, yeah, Coach Fitz is great. He's also really great to the media from what I've seen. Um, love him and hate him at the same time. Um, no, That just goes with everything about uh, how I feel about Northwestern. But this is not about Northwestern. This is about Illinois. Um, and I, I know that the athletes, the Illinois they're going to keep trying. Those athletes are, it doesn't matter if they only have two games left. They're going to keep trying and try to give themselves another win before the season ends. Um, and so I guess that's all you can ask. And it's unfortunate that they weren't able to see that on senior day today. Yeah, the last home game for Illinois this season, unless uh, the Big Ten decides to do these uh championship crossover games uh, for home games, um, which a lot of people have talked about they, they want to do domes, uh, neutral sites, but do they want everybody to travel during COVID? Like if you can keep one team at home, they might want to do that. So I don't know. Uh, the Big Ten hasn't announced any of that yet, but uh, we'll see where they are. But uh, yeah, now Illinois falls to two and four. Uh, second straight season, they've started two and four. Last year, that was with some non-conference games, but now they got to find a way to, to find that boost. And uh, I'm with you. I doubt it happens, but uh, that's why they play the games. Um, Isaiah Williams did show a little bit today, 7 to 16, 83 yards and a touchdown, uh, six carries, 38 yards as well. One guy I want to point out is a guy we mentioned what he's told us, but Chase Brown's a good player, 18 carries, uh, 83 yards. And one big thing about this game, um, no takeaways for Illinois, no takeaways for Iowa either, which is surprising given that both these programs are top six in the country in takeaways per game. Uh, but the other thing is Blake Hayes had his worst collegiate game today. Um, Iowa – had field position at the 48, the 47, the 46, and the 30 um, of, of their own yard line because Blake didn't have very good punts. I don't know if that was a strategy thing with what Liggs was doing, but um, the special teams hurt him today. And Iowa had great field position, took advantage of it. Maybe they didn't need it, but that, that really stuck out to me, and it's something that Illinois has done so well. And uh, shout-out to Caleb Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Illinois punt returner, which would have been a great story in a win. You think yeah. of these great stories, like, you know, the Blake Hayes, you know, fake punt was a great story because they won that game, right? This game, Caleb Griffin just fair catching, you know, the backup kicker, fair catching punts was a was a fun story when they were winning 14 to nothing. But apparently Caleb had uh, has been doing that for, for years and is one of their best, you know, shaggers of the football. Yeah. Because he can catch them. He's not going to return many of them. Uh, but kudos to Caleb Griffin for getting on the field that way. At least we can try to not let that get lost through the podcast. Um, maybe not so much in our writing after this. But um, that's how it always is when you have wins. It's like there's a million storylines and then you have losses. And you're like, I am very much struggling. And also the clock moves way too fast when you see the team that you're reporting on losing. <laughs> but, yeah, the the bad punts were so confusing to me and like you said you, I don't know if it was a strategy thing either because it just seemed like that that wasn't Blake I don't know so um like usually Rod Smith yells boomstick when it comes to Blake hey there's just no boomsticks yeah. like he was like trying to pin it here uh it was just had a weird spin on it so I, I just don't know what they were trying to do I didn't ask Lovey because it didn't feel like the most important question today we'll follow up on Monday but it was it was just odd all right we're gonna wrap this one up Illinois falls 35 to 21 Mariah Guzman thanks um 
apparently your bad luck when you come on the podcast. Don't say that. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen now. No, just kidding. I will try. Um, but there are absolutely no promises. <laughs> Thank you, Mariah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. Check out all our stuff. Coming up about this game, I'll have calm. Mariah will have a piece on Isaiah Williams. Uh, we'll have more coming up on Illinois football. And, of course, Illinois basketball coming up with a huge game against Duke. Thanks for listening to the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. Subscribe to us. Rate us, review us, wherever you get us. Have a great weekend. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.